Uh, so um, we are talking about be different. Uh, the change the message this morning. Uh, so this is uh, kind of hot off the press. Next week's message um, is going to be uh, about uh, how we're different because um, we recognize that things are spiritual, and uh, we're going to talk about the spiritual realm and all that crazy content next week. It's going to be interesting. It's real. We need to talk about it. Um, so, the, but uh, two weeks ago, we started this series, and we, we talked about how, how we are different because we are people of hope. I can't imagine uh, facing life without hope and the hope that we have in Christ. It's so much different. It's powerful. Um, and uh, then last week, we talked about uh, how we're different because um, Christ has loved us, and we love others because Christ first loved us. And I think about how different that is, how love in my life has radically attacked insecurities in my life, how being loved has radically shown me how to be generous and how to put others first, how it's really just rearranged my whole life. Being loved by God changes everything. And I, we, I think that that's a practice that we have to get good at, learning to enjoy the love of God for us. Well, this is a uh, fresh message, and it is, um, it's about uh, living lives of purity. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, oh, Jesus, help, 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 help. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Hey, I'm going to go real quick to um, a problem that the Apostle Paul had in the New Testament. When he was writing um, the, to the new believers, these believers were only Christians for so long, and things had already gotten off the rail um, there to the church of Galatia. So if you can, lean in on this real quick. He said, Paul said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Wait, what? Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Uh, I want you to know, that the enemy is doing the same tricks that he's done years and years and years ago. And so what we see here is that the enemy is, tr there are people that are trying to confuse the gospel and to pervert the gospel, that it'd be something that it's currently not. Beloved, I, I think that we have to lean in today. I don't know if you can tell the time by the seasons that we're in, but um, there's a dark world going on out there. And uh, what I'm grateful for is how far the church has advanced and how we've been able to link arms with other believers and other, other denominations and other churches. And we've come so far in our ability to, to recognize what matters most. But I, I, I think that as the time goes on, it's getting more and more difficult, even within the church, um, the four walls, or maybe even just within ourselves. To recognize what is good. To recognize the things that God calls good. The scripture says to the pure, all things are pure. But to those whose conscience is defiled, nothing is pure. 
And um, I, I, I want to lean in on, on being pure because I want to live a life worthy of the calling to which I've been called. I want to read to you just for a second uh, what I believe is the call of God on our lives. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. And it would say this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. Now let me just stop there for a second. It's almost like what Peter is saying is that many people understood what is truth and have somehow gotten away from what is good. Are you with me on this? This can be a difficult message, but I believe that there's uh, what would look like corruption uh, in, in the church. And, uh, and we have to do what we can to, to recognize what God has called good. This is going to be a, a powerful word today. I believe it was for me. Verse 15 but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. What? Wait, that's not what it says, is it? <laughs> for, for it is written, be happy because I'm happy. No, uh, and uh, here's, here's the problem I think that we have as a New Testament church. Stimulation is where we are in 2021. Uh, everything is about what's good, what feels good, what's good to our senses. And so it's, it's confusing oftentimes when we fall into times of trial or hardship or, or difficulty. It almost feels like we're somehow now out of God's will, like where I didn't see this coming because we're so set that God is good and then everything that because God is good, he obviously wants all this pleasure in our life. And so it's all about the senses and the stimulation. It's all about the, the feeling and the touch. It's all about the eating the best foods, yeah, enjoying the, the, the best air conditioning and the, the best of everything. We want comfort so bad that uh, it is all about our senses. But I want you to know that God, uh, although he wants you happy, uh, that's, you're not called to be happy. Um, and there's going to be moments in your life where joy is going uh, to come in the morning, but you're going to have to fight through some things. He's called you to be holy. I love Keith and Judah are doing a marriage uh, a connect group here in our church, and, and they said that, that God, God didn't call you to be married so you'd be happy. He called you to be married so you'd be holy. I believe that this is really the call of God in our lives is that Jesus is trying to create in you a reflection of himself. And it's important that you understand who he is. He is holy. Now, man, this is a difficult concept because God is holy and I am not. It's really hard for me to talk about holiness Oftentimes when the content of holiness has come up, it's created almost a shame in me. Like, I am so not there. How can I ever? And I'm realizing as I'm maturing in my faith, as I'm getting older, that even the idea of God's holiness, the shame that it creates, isn't actually, it's, it's almost like I've got those two little cartoon guys on my, it, it, the idea of holiness is the Holy Spirit convicting me to recognize what he's working on. So you're not there yet. What is God changing in you? If God is holy, if he is different, if he is unlike anything else in this world, what's he changing in you? What's God calling you to? And, uh, and I, I think about this holiness, and it, it really does create a reflection in me that he is calling me to be different. 
but I believe that the pursuit of our lifestyle is so radically driven to enjoyment and to happiness that we forget that God is calling deep within for us to be different. And sometimes we're going to have to abandon the things of, of enjoyment and satisfaction and perfection and things that are, are filled with pleasure for us to recognize that he is changing things within. Does this make sense? God's highest calling is not for your happiness, but for your holiness. And I think if we're going to enter down this road, I, I saw a quote this week that really grabbed me, and it kind of motivated this message. Uh, we're, we're not talking about behavior modification, but we're talking about spiritual transformation. I, I don't need you to just don't do this. Uh, I, I think that from everything within, God is calling us to change. And so holiness really isn't a stop doing that. It's more of a come. What he's offering is something that this world simply cannot offer. He's calling us to be different, and you can't really get there on your own. I want to kind of take you in Scripture to where I believe everything went wrong. If God's calling us to be holy, how do we become that? How does holiness matter? And you know what's really funny is even the subject of holiness feels old. It feels unrelevant. It feels like it's... um. Old school, uh, I don't know, dresses down to your ankles and hair in braids and, uh, you know, everyone buttoned up and suit jackets and feels old school. And I, I, as I want you to know, um, I don't think, I think that maybe we got the outward thing wrong, but God is looking to fix some things on the inward. There's a transformation he's calling us to. And please understand, holy equals healthy. And he's calling you to a health that's just simply good for you. I'm going to take rewind it back. I'm going to go super old school if we're going to talk about holiness, right? And I'm going to go as far back as I know how to go. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, if you can. And uh, the Lord just got done calling all of these things good. He, he, he made cattle. He said it was good. He made the birds of the air. He said it was good. He made land. He said it was good. He's defining everything that is good. Church, let's not be distracted. He wants good things for you. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to go to verse 8. He says, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed uh, uh, the man that he had made. And the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. Do you hear that? Trees that were beautiful and produced beautiful, delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't until last year that I even ever caught this. I only knew in the garden of there being the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I realized that in that was my problem in my life. I didn't realize that there were other things going on in the garden that was good. I only realized that there was something bad that I, I felt like the Lord had told me this. Let me keep going here. Verse 16 so the Lord God warned him, 
You may freely eat, Adam, from the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Holy moly. This feels a little, a little harsh, don't you think, Lord? Uh, especially in our culture. This feels like a massive exaggeration. What if, church, let's just say for a second, what if nothing has changed? What if there are still things in your life that the Lord has deemed, do not touch it? Don't, don't eat of it, don't swing on it, don't, don't, don't pick of it, don't, do, stay away from this. And I think that this is really a danger because social media and overstimulation has made it that everything in our life has become common. Everything is touchable. And things that the Lord has said, this is dangerous, we've simplified to a way that we wanted to understand it. So it doesn't seem as bad as it really is. It's knowledge. There's so much knowledge running around where we live right now. We want to understand everything. And there's some things that the Lord doesn't want you to know. So uh, chapter 3, verse 1, uh, the scripture would say this. I just lost, I just turned the page, here we go. So the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals, and the Lord God made him, had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we, uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it, for if you do, you will die. And then the enemy says here, uh, you won't die. I mean, come on. You won't die. And I guess, let me just talk for a second. So this is not sermon. This is just conversation. Cool? I recognize those statements in my own life that the enemy has whispered to me. And I recognize, as your pastor, someone who has fallen victim to the stupidity that she fell to. Did God really say that you can't do this? I mean, did God really say that you can't watch that? Uh, we're living in a culture and in a time and in a season I remember, I have multiple friends that are not Christians, and I can remember uh, hanging out with them and them being like, man, look at that lady over there. She's hot. She's smoking. She's blah, 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 blah. And I would remind them that I can't do that. Uh, why? Because what I can look at, that the Lord has made to me very, very beautiful, is my bride. And you are so beautiful, Teresa. And there are some things that are pleasing to the eye, but the Lord has said, don't look at it. One of my favorite Proverbs in all of the scripture is the wise man stays away from the wicked woman. Just stay, just stay away, Jack. Just, I ain't going to make it any more simple. Stay away. 
Uh, but I think that there are things that we have complicated. And uh, you won't die. And so I think of things in my life that are good to taste, good to look at, good to be around. And you'd say to yourself, I'm not dying from eating all of these McDonald's french fries. Yet, yeah, you are, in fact. Uh, I don't know how to tell you this. Your cholesterol is building with every delicious, salty, oily, greasy, soft, and crispy one of them. And I say it like that because I recognize it's beautiful and wonderful and awful. And there are things that you have recognized is good that the Lord said it's bad. And it is killing you, and you don't realize it. It could be that wonderful television that you got mounted right in the center of your living room. It's good and wonderful and relaxing and hypnotizing you from dealing with everything that matters most in your life. It's good, and it's an idol in every way, shape, and form mounted in the greatest part of your house. It's bad. But the world says, come on, you can't talk like that. Why? We covet and idolize and have, have made everything in this day, the, what the Lord has said bad, modern and good and knowledgeable and safe. And it's killing us. It's bad. So the conversation would go on. Uh, where uh, in verse, uh, uh, verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman, for God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And let me just stop there. I think that's one of the things that trip us up so much is we get so infatuated with understanding. I want to know. I want to know what it feels like. I want to know what it sounds like. The thrill of the trace, uh, you know, uh, of the chase of, of, of just, I want to taste it. I don't care what it costs me. I want, I want to know. Well, you can find out, Jack. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. Can I just stop there for a second? And so I, I think that what's happened is, Maybe as the church, maybe we've hid from some of the real honest conversations that we recognize that there is a lot of beautiful things in this world that really shouldn't be beautiful to me. But I recognize the beauty of it. And the scripture says that this fruit was beautiful and that it looked delicious. It probably was delicious. And there are a lot of pleasures in this world that may seem pleasurable. But if God said that this is what marriage is supposed to look like, you, you can taste it way too early. But I'm telling you, if you look at wisdom, it's dangerous and destructive to do it before it's time. Uh, I, I love to eat. I love to eat turkey. I, I have been, Since in my life, I have carved into turkey and eaten of it before it's time. And I could tell you, the destruction that it caused on the inside of me. And I'm seeing it 
like we've made things look simple. It's crazy that years ago, things that we knew were obviously bad have somehow now, culture has perverted the gospel of Jesus so much to the point where it's become so common. Sex is now on every show, in every movie, on everything, that surely it's got to be good. God made sex. Yes, he did. And he did make it probably for you. But that doesn't mean that it's time. And you got to know the difference. I'm thinking about right now cultural pornography. It's beautiful. It's good. We're watching fornication from other people like years ago. This was, and it's so in the church. It's so inside of us that I think that the things that we knew that God said was bad were now whispering to ourselves, did God really say that this would kill you? Can it really kill my marriage? Can it really destroy me? Let me just tell you from someone who meets with multiple couples, yes. Yes, it is destroying you. Yes, it is desensitizing you. Yes, it is perverting you. Yes, it is retraining your mind that the way that the Lord designed for you to understand what is good, everything is good now. And I, from the way I understand not just parts of the scripture, but all of it, there are some things that the Lord has just said, stay away from. And I think we've got to figure out how to get back to a point where we recognize that the Holy Spirit is telling us things in our life that are bad and not time yet. And this thing that he does think is good is only good in certain time frames of our life. Can you receive that? And so I have to keep going here. Um, man, I am... Not doing good here. Okay, so uh, so she took the fruit and she ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Remember, there's uh, two trees in the garden. There's multiple trees in the garden and multiple fruit. There was the tree of life and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at the moment that she ate of this, she realized her nakedness. Now, next week, we're going to talk about some of the, the plans and the way that the enemy would move in your life. But I hate that I hate that I hate that I hate that as a pastor, it takes me years to help people fix the shame in their life because of sexual issues that has happened. Trying to restore confidence in the body of Christ is something that it's taking me years to do because of shame. And what happens here is Adam and Eve try to fix the problem themselves. The tree of the knowledge of the good and evil did is it created a knowledge that they are a mess. And they tried to fix it themselves. And I think many of us are trying to fix it on ourselves. And let me just tell you the way it works. When, when sin enters our life, you weren't designed to go at this alone. You're going to need Jesus and you're going to need other people in your life. And I'm sorry that you've been hurt by other people, but you were designed for real 
relationships, real transparency, where the light of Jesus shines into your life and exposes everything going on. And there are people here, believe it or not, that you can actually trust with your broken areas. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden, and so they hid from him among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And Jesus said, well, who told you that you were naked? Uh, we've eaten from the tree whose fruit I, I commanded you not to eat. And, and the man replied, uh, it was the woman and she gave it to me, uh, the fruit, and I ate it. And, and I, I, I just hear this and I, I think of how difficult, I mean, let, let's just look at the state of the church. Okay, we, we can't talk about what's wrong out there. We can only talk about what's wrong here. The last time we had repentance yes. in here. Yes. Not for what they did, yes. but for what your pastor did for what I broke, for what you broke, for when it was like, God, I, he fix me. I'm so sorry for what I did, Lord. It always seems like, well, you know, it's technology. But the Lord said no, and I did it. It's my fault. That's it. I broke it. And uh, so as I'm looking at this scripture, there's a lot of conversation going on about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But I, I do recognize that in this passage, there are two trees. There is a tree of life, and there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And here, my question is this. If God's calling me to be different, and I'm obviously not, I'm obviously become like people in the world, does, is that what he wants, a shame on you? And I, I, I would, I would, I mean, just as I, I know next week's sermon, and so I'm looking at it right now, and I would just say from a resounding throne room of heaven, no. I, 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 this is not designed to make you recognize your imperfections or what you've broken. It is designed to let you see what God is calling to, to, to change. And when I look at the reality that in the Garden of Eden, there were many plants that were beautiful, many trees that were beautiful, many things that were good for us in our life, but somehow we got fixated on what was wrong. So if you're looking at things that are wrong, throw away your phone. Yeah, but I need it. No, you don't. Jesus said it's better that you cut your eye out than you go with both eyes into hell. Get rid of the crap that's Killing you on the inside. You just get rid of it. You got to figure out how to come back to what is good, what's good. So anyways, I recognize that there was temptation and there was also life. And I'm trying to figure out what is the solution for me? What is the solution for you? And I hit my knees this week praying <laughs> and uh, I'm going to start my message right now. One tree in our life is going to focus on what you need to do, and one tree is going to focus on what Jesus has done. So if you look at one tree, it's, it's going to say, look at what you broke. This is how you're going to need to fix it. I look at it like this. Imagine there is a rock here, rock. Let's, let's just kind of, for your illustration, let's go this big. And... Um, I think that this is our effort in our life where it, God kind of makes a deal. I'll tell you what. You pick up that rock and you can get into heaven. 
And I feel like this is we are trying to do this in our life. We're trying to read our Bible enough. We're trying to attend church enough. We're trying to pray enough. We're trying, and there's just simply not enough that you're going to be able to do that's going to fix what we did. The way things go is you can't unsee what you saw. It's going to be stuck with you for the rest of your life. But you can change. Here, please hear me on this as your pastor. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm talking about spiritual transformation. I have to change from the inside. So one is going to tell you what you have to do, and one is going to tell you what he has already done for you. You ate of this tree, and now you're a piece of crap. You're terrible. Shame on you. Look at who you are. If anyone finds out, blah, 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 blah. Here are all the things you have to do now to look godly. The other tree is, look at what I did for you. Look at what I'm giving to you. Look at what, who I'm making you. I'm giving you the gift. And so I want to I just read this verse to you real quick. This is, a, this is found in John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40. And Jesus says this. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But these are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come and have life. And so, like, I, I recognize that I broke it, and so I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to sow leaves on and make myself godly. I can't make myself holy. I can't possibly purify myself. I need Jesus. He's giving me that gift. Here, here's another thing. I, I, I realize one focuses on external duty and one focuses on internal desire. And, and it, it, first John would say this, this is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. But when I look at the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I don't, I don't, I, I'm fighting. He who has the son has life, and he who does not have the son of God does not have life. I'm going to close with three points, okay? And this is my sermon, and I'm going to try to spit them out as quickly as I can. If you didn't hear anything else, just hear this. Jesus, help. Would you come? If we're going to um, have transformation in our life, we're not talking about behavior modification. We're talking about spiritual transformation. How do I, in my own life, some of you don't know me. This is the first time we're meeting. Um, I'm Tim. There are, I, I, I'm an addict, and I've had to, the desire for things that you're addicted to will always be there. It's hard to admit. So what you have to do is you have to figure out what you love more. We have a saying here at the church, we give up things we love for things we love more. And so what we're trying to do is figure out what is good. I want what's good. I want what's great. I want what's pleasing. I want what's desirable. And so here's what I want you to understand. You may have loved things that are harmful to you. But there is another tree that is good for you. Three things I'm asking today is that we're eating from the tree of life. Fall in love with Jesus. This is my heart's desire. I, I know that there are things that you desire and that are difficult to overcome. I can hear, even right now, as your pastor, a warfare going on inside of you. You're trying to honor God. No. Just fall in love with Jesus. 
There's a pastor that said it this way a long time ago, and this scripture, like, it, it hit me. I had been trying so hard to love God. It says it this way. If you love me, you will obey what I command. I hear that when I hear the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you loved me, you would have never done that. If you loved me, you would do this. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying here is in the tree of life, if you love me, you'll already do it. He's saying, fall in love with me, and I'll fix your desires. Love me. Love me. The problem is not that. It's not that if you loved me, then you would do these things. Nope, that's behavior modification. That's not what we're about. We're about transformation. If you love me, it'll work its way out. When I love my wife, there's no one else in this world that can offer me what, she's, what she can offer me. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a relationship going on. You hear it? Hmm. Second thing I think you should know is please don't allow condemnation. That's not coming from the tree of life. That's coming from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's coming from the enemy saying, oh, now you broke it. Now you're naked. Now you're always going to be this way. What I understand is there is now for, there, therefore, there is now no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Behold, the old things have passed away and all things have been made new. And I just, I got to ask you, do you believe that? You believe that Jesus is not condemning you. The beautiful thing about someone who willingly laid down his life is he knew what you were going to do. He wanted to pay the price for you. He wants to see you become like him. And it's only going to happen in relationship. Here's the third thing real quick. You have to make the choice every day. Every day I die to myself, and every day I'm born to Jesus. Every day I ask God to change my life. And literally, it's the oldest prayer I've ever, I've ever said. Jesus, change me. Jesus, I want to love you. Jesus, change me. Jesus, I want to love you. I pray this prayer every day. I don't pray a whole lot of things every day. I don't pray to be a great pastor every day. I pray, Jesus, change me. I want to love you more. Here, here's, here's this. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that, have, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Just choose life. What if the things that you love in life are actually going to end up hurting you and you don't realize it yet? Choose life.